welcome in. Uh, we got another edition here at the Never Ending Glory Podcast, March Madness, uh, Sweet 16. We're into the Sweet 16, so we're going to uh, recap a bunch of stuff going on and then uh, look ahead to the Elite Eight and possible Final Four uh, heading in. Uh, I'm your host, Nick Schilling, joined again by uh, two guys who still have, probably have most of their Final Four uh, left, unlike Mike Francesca, whose Final Four is gone after the opening weekend. Um, if you haven't watched his video yet of him with the most vanilla responses ever, please check that out. Um, join with the Zustin brothers like last week. Sean, I know you're jacked up about this uh, Midwest region in Kansas City. On the call with Kevin, uh, with Kevin Harlan, it's your boy Dan Bonner. Unfortunately for you, Reggie Miller's with him. Your thoughts on that? All right, Reggie Miller and Chris Weber, absolute joke of announcers. Stick to the program where you're just bad enough there that you're tolerable. You go to college and you feel the urge to have to over-talk on everything rather than letting actual skilled announcers analyze things. Yeah, I, I – oh. Mark doesn't it, want to touch it. Mark's, Mark's pro Reggie Miller somehow. But I like on- Reggie, man. Hey, shoot it, baby. Shoot it. Ugh, obnoxious. Yes, yeah, that's what obnoxious. I need to say. You might as well just mic up half the stands then for that analysis. That's great stuff. Exactly. Oh man! All right, before we get in, before we get into this, um, into the March Madness, the uh, the Elite Eight Sweet Sixteen matchups. My buddy Tom Crean fired from Indiana. Um, ABC. So. I can't be more excited about it. I hope we see him pacing up and down the sidelines or, you know, pacing up and down the unemployment line. So um, the big the big rumor going on is Steve Alford's going to take over. Uh, it's a done deal, according to Dan Dockage, who pretty close with uh, with Steve Alford. Um, Mark, any ideas of where Indiana should go, maybe instead of Steve Alford? Yeah, I got two things for you. One, why would Steve Alford leave UCLA when he's got a recruiting? He's got it rolling right now. And he's going to get all these dumb ball kids to show up and play for him. So his recruiting trail is just set for the next five years. Yeah, but the why other ones leave? aren't any good from what I've seen. Well, I mean, they still get pub and everything. And if they're like their brother a little bit, they can play. I mean, so in that sense, why would he leave? Okay, And he's living in L.A. and he's going to get a raise this year. That's the, and he's going to move to East Bufu, Indiana. This is the dumbest thing I've heard. I'm done with it. I don't want to hear it. People keep saying this stuff. You think UCLA ain't going to put up a fight? You think his reps don't want that out there so he don't get a $1.5 million raise? So I'm out on him. And I'm going to throw a name out there that I, I like Chris Mack. I think Chris Mack's off the charts awesome. And I like Jamie Dixon down at TCU. I think they're having a, a really good year especially for TCU standards, I think that guy can coach. I thought he coached well at Pitt. Pitt went downhill since he left. I think that guy can coach. So I think Jamie Dixon could be a good coach too. Pitt, the home of uh, your boy, Kevin Stallings now. He's not a Vandy? No, according to Mark, he still is. Here's the uh, I, I like Archie Miller. I don't understand offer to Indiana either. I'll say this. It, it, you know, Dakich reporting the way that he is has to either throw Alford or it's purposely being floated out there for for a money grab. It does. It, it's it's illogical to want to go back to where you went to school. It, it's kind of a no win situation. And then what job does he get after? It, it 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 doesn't make any sense to me. UCLA is just as good of a job as Indiana. Indiana has an artificial inflated view of their their job. And, and unreal expectations. It's a lot like Texas in college football. Um, now, it, Texas has a little bit more resources in the proximity of talent, but there's a lot of similarities there between kind of their old guard boosters and some of the pain in the ass that, that the whole job entails, um, just just from my vantage point. So I, I think Archie Miller would be a, a tremendous hire for them. Um, but again, I... I think there's mid-major jobs that are better than than Indiana. Look at how they're doing. Crean did what he did, at least from a results perspective. You know, his best player couldn't play this year, and he's made final what a Sweet 16 or three times or twice. And I don't know. I think it's just unreal expectations. So I got a question, then, guys: Is Buzz Williams a bet? Buzz Williams a better coach than Tom Crean? Both coming out of Marquette. Who's a better coach? I mean, you're talking, uh, coming you're out of Marquette, the president of the Tom Crean fan club. So I can't. I think if coming out of Marquette, 
Crean was <laughs> better, but I, I actually, I you look at Buzz Williams is probably a better basketball coach. Just you know, Buzz Williams is not going to Indiana. Like that is not that's an oil and water fit. Yeah, like you said, I I just think they have unreal expectations. They've won the Big Ten two of the last four years. I mean, it's almost national championship or bust. Why would you know some of these coaches leave? By the and way, and Mark, they forget the last ten years of Knight's tenure. Like I mean. That team was not competing at a, a high, high national level. They made the Final Four with Mike Davis. Yeah, they. The thing is, you know, I, I think I really think other than Alford, you know, they the AD kind of wants to go back to the old Indiana under Bob Knight, who Alford won a national championship playing for Bob Knight. I think they need to go after. I think you guys mentioned Archie Miller, Chris Mack. I'll throw Chris Holtman from Butler in the mix too. So those three, yeah. I'm really looking at. Mark Jamie Dixon's at his alma mater TCU. I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. So I think Jamie yeah, you're Dixon's right on that. Yeah, I, TCU right now. Yeah, yeah I, I think he is too. And I just, I really like that team. I told you guys that I thought they should have been in the tournament, even though they were 19 and 15. But I like the way they're playing. They went at Iowa and won. They're going to win the damn NIT. Uh, Greg Marshall's another name that could get it done. Wichita State. Uh, you guys want to segue right into that guy because Sean's got some hot takes on his wifey. Hey, I think his wife needs to uh, to sober up before she goes to games where she's going to be on big, you know, big television, acting like a clown, taking away from the Wichita State program, that house that I'm sure the university pays for, let alone the salary, and even her husband. Like she's taking away the story from the kids that went tooth and nail versus Kentucky husband with a team next year coming back that's going to be loaded and th- and then they're going to throw her on the tv throughout the season next year as a result of this nonsense i say she procreates with lavar bell lavar ball and those two can go to the games together and talk i what wouldn't put anything past it the behavior i saw of her and and ball i put it past either of those clowns i mean i i watch a video and i i, I just can't believe that as a coach, I can't stand the look at me, this kind of stuff. It's all about the kids and the fact that she just went on and on. And it was the personal attacks and the, uh, the F-bombs towards Kentucky players. Like, you're a grown adult. Act like it. These kids are – Set I mean, an example. In, in Kentucky's exa- – in, in, when you're playing Kentucky, you're playing all 18-year-olds because they're all freshmen. So, I mean, Well, and on top of it, it's bad when you now make Kentucky to be the martyr or the victim of this. Like – you, you, Who's that bombing the kids? Yes. You, what you, is that about? You, Mark, you, there are people that have hung around enough drunk people. I don't want to hear anybody say, oh, she couldn't drink I've at the never, game. I've never seen a drunk person in my life. That, yeah. That woman, the way she was acting was was like knock down, drag out drunk. There, like It's impossible not to watch the video of her hunched over laughing and leaning forward and falling forward. Everything was like times ten as far as de- demonstrative at, like movement. Clearly loaded and ripped. Whatever she was. Well, this is why you need it. Joe Schilling security. If you ask me, that 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 situation would have been handled appropriately in the first half, right, Nick? Actually, Joe Schilling security had us uh, drinking. Drinking in the basement when we were 17 years old, so I don't know how accurate that would have been. So. Oh, no. <laughs> now you're throwing them under the no bus No comment. Now. No, no. I don't even know hey, what that's about. Statue of limitations ran out on that. <laughs> All right. Let's, so uh, it's a consensus now. It's a consensus. Greg Marshall's wife, stick a something in it. Yeah, go. she gone. We'll just, we'll just she gone, uh, Greg Marshall's wife. So let, let's get into this, guys, and um, – before we get into the picks here, getting the lead eight, do we have any general thoughts of kind of what we saw, trends? I know we might get into the officiating or whatnot. The NCAA, the way they set up the bracket, and this was my complaint uh, last on the last podcast, they got their wish. There are no Cinderella's um, left. People can argue that Xavier and Butler and Zaga and them, but, I mean, they've made deep runs, and everyone might say Wisconsin, but... They've been to what two Final Fours in the last couple of years, so the NCA got their wish. There's no Cinderellas, which actually made Thursday through Saturday pretty boring. Sunday was a great day, uh, but it, this might mean 
from here on out, we have some really good games and really good matchups coming up. Uh, do you guys have any general thoughts on kind of what you saw in the first couple of days? Mark, I'll uh, start with you. Xavier's really good. And I, I'll tell you what, that, that program, to me, they just battle every freaking year in the tournament. They have great guard play. They get these oversized guards that, you know, like Blewett from Indianapolis that can play. Why Ohio State or these other teams can't recruit him, I have no idea. That dude could play at Indiana. And they just play hard, and they're one of the best coach teams. They're, they're so fun to watch defensively, how they mix it up every time down. And they're so well coached that they can change every time. Florida State's a terrible, terrible offense against a 2-3 zone. What does Xavier do? Mix it up, never lets them get comfortable with the 2-3 zone. Working the 2-3 zone in and in and in. And they beat Florida State by 30. So whether or not, I know Sean didn't like Florida State, didn't like, fine. They're still huge. They still got length. And they're still a pretty good basketball team with some big wins. And Xavier made them look, Xavier made them look like a mid-major team. So when it comes to the tournament, Xavier is a real nice team. And I'm still shocked that line is 7.5 against Arizona because they can play. And that game will be close. Uh, Sean, any general thoughts on what you saw in the first weekend? Uh, you know, we'll we'll touch on some different teams and whatnot. I, I thought um, I always look at the first weekend as you just want to survive. You don't have to be playing, you know, super super well. Uh, you know, a team like Gonzaga where they had a crummy first half of the of their first game and then kind of played strong until maybe the last like there's a five eight minute stretch in the Northwestern game in the second half, mid to late second half. Um, those are the those are the areas where you're going to lose games. You can't go more than four minutes without a basket, and some teams still seem to have those blips. Um, you know, a team like Gonzaga, even Arizona sh- struggled at times. Uh, so I, I think of the 16 teams, I, I'd be hard pressed to say which to really really argue to say this team absolutely cannot win it. Maybe Butler, just because of the road that they've got to go. That might be the the one scenario of a team um, that I could that I can make a strong strong case that they they can't at least get to the final four. Yeah, I, I agree with Butler. I don't think South Carolina has. I, I just don't think they can score enough. You know, I think they did everything they can the first weekend. Yeah, but I mean, it, okay. Well. They be, let's uh, say that, let's let's say South Carolina though they beat Baylor. Let's just say they beat Baylor, and then what if they get Wisconsin? Okay. So why does everyone think Wisconsin is going to win? Florida is like I'm not, the biggest I'm, sleeper no, I'm, team to me in I the think, whole nation. I think Florida is going to win. I'm saying like the path, though, is plausible. Like South Carolina plays Wisconsin, and the way they defend and the way they get after it, like that's a win. Now, if they play Florida, I, I think I, I'm pretty sure Florida beat them every time this year. So I think that's a hold serve scenario. But um, yeah, I, I, there's at least a path where Butler has to beat North Carolina and or Kentucky and or UCLA. So that, to me, is really, really significant. Well, I don't like Oregon either. I don't think Oregon has much with losing the dude down low. Oregon should have lost that basketball game to Rhode Island. They're lucky they escaped that one. I don't know. That was a high-intensity game. Oregon yeah, I agree with that. Like you say know. what, Nick? Oregon's what, you the thought- tricky team here. Because- Go ahead, Mark. You thought, did you think Oregon was going to win that game or lose that game? I I had Rhode Island in the Sweet 16, and, you know, you and I both bet Rhode Island. So, yeah, I didn't think Oregon was going to win at any point. But, you know, my big gripe, and I'm sure you guys will get into this, in this as well, is some of the refereeing down the stretch was unreal. Oh. I mean, if it, for example, you look at that Rhode Island-Oregon game, the free Terrible. throws were 27 27- to eight, 27 to eight. So terrible. I feel like there needs to be one Cinderella. I think Rhode Island could have made some noise the way uh, they're finally healthy. And if they would have been healthy all year, you would have been looking at a seven, eight, nine seed, not an 11 seed there. So I, I don't know. And, and, and another thing I have a problem with is the conference records things. I, this, they do this in college. They do this during the bowl season. And what makes the tournament so great is the matchups. So, on f- for 40 minutes, are you the better team? Do you win or lose? So this whole, yeah, a- the ACC's got one team left in there. Does that mean the ACC is better than the Big Ten? 
I don't think so. So I, I think the conference record thing's overblown. They do it in the bowl season. I, I just think it's garbage. I will say one thing, though, Nick, that I think of all the conferences that are conducive to the style of play, the Big Ten seems to be consistently starting to do a little bit better. Even though we don't have the much talent up and down the league, I thought the Big Ten teams, I thought they played the best style of basketball that was conducive to tournament play. I thought Michigan State played a good game against Real maybe good game. What, uh, against what you could say is the best team in the country. So in that sense, man, the Big Ten, for all the shit that they got all season, they're the ones playing the best right now. I, I would agree with that. I, I Michigan State played really well. Kansas was just fantastic down the stretch. Like it was the closest twelve point game or ten yeah. to twelve point game that it, that that you probably are familiar with. It just felt like Michigan State was like two baskets away from flipping the whole thing and then getting a lot of momentum. But Graham didn't miss. Jackson was phenomenal. Mason Mason drove the ball and oh. had a couple baskets, but found guys like. Yeah, threw a oop to Lucas. Like Kansas was, that might be. This is where I'd be concerned if I'm a Kansas fan. That may have been the peak performance. That last 12 minutes of the the basketball game is probably the best they can possibly play. And I would just be really leery now of, of playing against a Purdue team that's going to muck it up and slow it down. And Purdue's got a guy in Swanigan that basically is who's the guy? Is it Bell from Michigan State that got in foul trouble? The, yeah. the center. Yeah, the freshman like, center. They he if he didn't get chippy fouls and miss like two footers, Swanigan gets those. Those are going in. Like it it this a recipe for for Kansas to run into some trouble with Purdue if they keep it low scoring. If they get out and run, guard play so terrible. Purdue's guard play is trouble. so terrible. Yeah, that's that's a huge match. And Haas cannot finish down low. My God, how that dude? Oh, 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 oh. he's frustrating. So you're going to see a contrast in styles there. I like Kansas to hold at holds, but I think it's going to be really close up until the last four or five minutes. And it'll be another game where these referees have so much control of the power because of their inability to call verticality correctly. And then when they actually call it right, the announcers and Reggie Miller was one of these over the weekend, as well as Chris Weber. When they call verticality in college, like they overly praise these refs, like these refs should know this. Should call it accordingly. If the if the hands don't reach forward, and if guys are jumping backwards, actually trying to avoid contact, there's no way you should be a foul called on you for those things. It's it's just the NBA. That's a call that even they don't get right. You know, maybe twenty percent of the time. I feel like the college misses that call eighty five percent of the time. It's an abomination. The the block charge calls. I- I would hate to be a referee with a block charge call, but there were two big ones. Uh, Dylan Brooks's flop against Rhode Island, and then Oregon comes down, hits the game-winning three. And then North Carolina at the very end, that block charge call was huge. Um, it was uh, Joel, uh, Joel Berry drove in, totally ran over the Arkansas player, traveled, threw up a prayer, and then, hit, and then uh, I believe it was Kennedy Meeks uh, tipped it in. There's your difference. It goes from a one-point lead to three-point lead, and uh, – that was a monster collision. Yeah. Oh, it, it, the guy was standing there, like literally not moving. I mean, it, I I thought it was a blatant, blatant. Well, and there's no consistency because then Arkansas will go down, will do the same thing, and then they'll call the charge because the refs rotate, and you don't get the same guy at the same spot. Now, refs inherently always do that, but the, these these refs need to kind of be in tandem with one another. And if they're calling the game one way on one side, this is this is what drove Wisconsin crazy a couple years ago against Duke in the national title game is they, they're calling hand-checking at one end and not calling it on the other in the second half. Duke gets in the penalty at like the 12 or 11-minute mark, and then you're able to just get free points. It, it just... It's the thing that drives me absolutely insane. It's the same with college football. College football to me is more the rules, and you know Jerry Burst loves the the gimmickiness of uh, of the college football game. But the rules Easy are clownish. The, the rules are clownish. He might edit this out of the pot, anyways. It's clown. It's a clown show. And then in college basketball, it's the refs have way too much control because they just won't kind of delineate between how it's going to be consistently called through the whole game. And minute to minute, moment to moment, it changes. 
Well, yeah, I would just like to see them eliminate the flops. And I mean, the the one Brooks on on Rhode Island, you're going to call that at literally the half court line when the offensive guy is not out of control. Why are we calling charges when the offensive guy is not out of control? Okay, if you're going to call that, he better be off his feet. He better leave his feet. And I don't know your take on this, Schillig. I love taking charges back in the day, but it is the worst call in basketball. It is so terrible anymore. It's terrible. If the guy leaves his feet, you got a call. If he's not leaving his feet and it's not going towards the hoop, it's not a call. Stop calling it. And another one that I'll end with, the shot fake and then the like then the offensive guy going into the defensive guy yes. and shooting. Yeah. That's not a foul. It's not a yeah. foul. The offensive guy institutes the contact. So I'm done with that one too. And these refs We've been saying yeah, just because you jump, are they going to address the shot? This. Yeah, just they have not addressed this. There's, it's still going on. It's terrible basketball. Address this, please, God. And the thing is, the hand track they won't address it because yeah, yeah. Well, the, and they won't address it because the NBA game keeps trickling down, and and they get those calls all day in the NBA. They can jump three feet forward on their jump shot, and they're still going to get that call. So, I don't think it'll ever change. And uh, yeah, that, that was my big gripe. I'll just point out three games in particular. St. Mary's shot eight free throws to Arizona's 23. Rhode Island shot eight free throws compared to Oregon's 27. And Arkansas shot eight free throws compared to North Carolina's 25. So NCA got their wish. Their blue bloods, are, blue bloods are through, and the ratings can go through the roof, even though they were great for this first weekend. So uh, any more general thoughts, guys, or do you want to get into making these picks here? Let's get into it. Let's go. It's Monday, dude. Let's All I do, do is it. pick winners. As you can oh, tell, because I'm in first place in every pool. Mark and I did have a good uh, live betting weekend, so I don't know if I'm placing any more pre, uh, pre-game bets. I think I might just live them all. So uh, We will head out to the east, Madison Square Garden. I'm sure the uh, scummy scalpers out in uh, New York City are excited about Villanova and Duke being out. So as expected, we have uh, Wisconsin, Florida, and Baylor, South Carolina out in uh, the east here. This is uh, Vern Lundquist's swan song. It's his last play-by-play, so he's going to do these three games. And then uh, I think I think all he's got left is the Masters, and then I think he's going to ride into the sunset. So it's a pod favorite, Vern Lundquist, it, it, mm-hmm. you know, especially got for me. Got hit in the so, face. Got hit in the uh, face. Wisconsin- in the face. All right, we have Wisconsin, Florida. Um, Florida's route was pretty easy to get out here. Uh, I think Virginia went eight minutes without scoring, so I was uh, I was wrong in thinking that Florida's offensive efficiency numbers were a little bit better, even though they played a slow pace. Florida pounded them, so we're looking at um, Florida against against Wisconsin. Uh, Mark, I know you have strong opinions on this. Right now, it has moved up to two points. It did open one and a half, so some early money on Florida. We have Florida versus Wisconsin. Mark, what do you uh, what do you see in this matchup? Florida is so underrated. I remember when some of these uh, guys that break down the game saw them earlier in the year. I mean, well, saw them play Kentucky really and said they can play with anyone in terms of their athleticism. But my gosh, dude, they're well coached. That guy can coach too, and uh, they're no one's talking about him. I like him in that case. Wisconsin wants to play a half court game and. Florida's got size and length. Those guys are long. They can get out and defend. I really like that with them. And at this, if Wisconsin gets down six or seven, and Florida can really get out there and guard it on the perimeter, especially the wing, I mean, you'd think this is a better game for Wisconsin if they're playing them than in the Elite Eight. So then Florida doesn't have a lot of time to break it down. Florida's going to break their stuff down. I mean, I, I really anticipate Florida coming out and really getting some early buckets in transition, forcing Wisconsin to have to do a little bit more half court, like, you know, not getting open threes and stuff like that, making them really use the shot clock. I like Florida in this one. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of that. I I, I think uh, Wisconsin's run ends here. They're just a team that goes through those those fits of not scoring. To me, Florida, it's tailor-made for Final Four for them. Um, I'm taking the Gators. And how did Wisconsin get seeded where they did, by the way, with them finishing second in the Big Ten regular season? We touched on this. Them in Minnesota. It's unreal. It, it, them I, in it's Minnesota. Unreal. 
this should be Nova and, and Florida playing because Nova shouldn't have had to play against a Wisconsin team like that in in the second round. Oh, oh, so, oh, so we're saying the number one overall seed shouldn't have Wisconsin as their next game in the round of 32? Yeah. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> Didn't yeah. they have five returning starters too? No. Wisconsin? Yeah, I thought they might have had like actually five returning starters. Thought they lost somebody. Yeah, maybe they did, but regardless, I mean that that that's a really really good team. Um, the <laughs> you look at it, they're better than Minnesota. Um, Michigan's a seven seed. Wisconsin, at least from body of work, had a had you know better than them. Um, you know, I think either one is still Sweet Sixteen the way both are playing. But um, yeah, unfair draw, but. You know, those guys, it worked out for those teams. It didn't work out for the teams playing them that were, you know, unfairly seated against. It's like Kentucky having to beat Wichita State. You know, Wichita State was horribly seated as well. And do we ever have an explanation why why Creighton was a six seed? Can I get anybody to explain that? Creighton was pretty good this year. They had a solid. They lost. Year. They lost their best player. Like he, he he's not on the team. Like, we have to factor that into the seeding, don't we? The last 10 games, that team is an average pass. Well, I mean, obviously they didn't factor that into the seeding because Michigan was the seventh seed. And I'm telling you, I watched them play in the Big Ten tournament, and that's, that's literally a top 10 team. So, And I know you can't give them all that because they do have losses, but obviously they didn't, they didn't take too much standing at the end of the season, too. I mean, Shill saw Rhode Island was phenomenal late in the season. I mean, they were rolling through teams, and they got an 11. So they didn't take it too much into effect at the end of the season. So, And Oregon, yeah. too, with their injury late. They went off body work for Michigan. And actually, I think middle of February, you could have got Michigan at 500-1 to after the loss at home to Ohio State. Then they've been on a roll since then. So it's hard to see Michigan above a 7 when – when they struggled so early, early on. Um, just to be quick, I'm going to go with Florida as well. Um, the bet I actually like in this is the under. Uh, Madison Square Garden, not an easy gym to shoot in for these two teams, and you're looking at two top ten uh, defenses, so I see it being uh, very low scoring. I could see a, you know, a 56-54 game here at the end. The only well, thing that worries there, me Wisconsin, about Florida is – Yeah, if it's there, that, that's tailor-made for Wisconsin. They just want this game close the last four yeah. minutes, and they like their three guys – with Showalter to go against Florida's guys. If it's there, they they like Bronson Koenig. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Koenig hit some huge shots. The only thing that worries me about Florida is uh, Igbino is out, who's their best inside defender. So Hap and uh, Nigel Hayes can go. uh, They they could have some big games here to keep keep them in it. But, uh, yeah, I think we all agree here with Florida. If you go down to the uh, bottom half of the bracket – Go ahead. Don't tell Kemba Walker about shooting in Madison Square Garden. He kind of likes it. Yeah, he was also the 10th pick overall. I don't think there's any <laughs> top 10 picks here playing this game. Um, all right, bottom, bottom part of the bracket. We have Baylor, who has kind of cruised through until USC made a comeback late. Uh, USC, they don't start playing until they're down 10 anyway. So um, Baylor advances, and then the biggest upset – and I'm using quotations here because they only were six and a half point favorites, even though the media wants to make you think that this was the biggest upset ever, uh, beating Duke at a home, pretty much at a home game. So we have got Baylor, South Carolina. I don't know if you guys want to touch on any of the South Carolina Duke game, which is pretty memorable. But Baylor uh, opened at three. They're now up to three and a half. We got Baylor and South Carolina here in the East. Um, Sean, we'll start with you this time. Who do you like? Um. I just like South Carolina. I think it's going to be kind of an ugly game, and uh, I like their defense and the kind of attitude in those types of games versus Baylor. Uh, I don't think it's going to get up and down and, and play to any of Baylor's strengths. So I'll take South Carolina. As far as the game, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting. They moved it from Greensboro to Greenville, uh, and Greenville had a Confederate flag waving. So uh, And the reason they moved it was kind of H1 – B bill or whatever else in North Carolina. So, uh, there's some level of irony there, uh, on top of it. And for as much as, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge, huge Duke honk. That was a home game for South Carolina. Like that second half was as kind of vicious of attorney environment as, as there's been in a long, long time. 
back when they used to play them at home courts, you know, for regional finals and stuff. So come on, they gave up sixty-five points. Well, that, that's that's the thing. That's I mean, where they don't have a stand a leg to stand on. And South Carolina, the players played and competed, and they attacked Duke. I think Duke. They have some problems when you kind of hit them in the mouth and and you play, you know, a little bit more aggressive to them. Oregon did it last year. Uh, I just it it's a struggle for Duke in that type of an environment and those types of games historically. And they just they didn't react well to it and got down and and didn't have the the horsepower to kind of make it back. I also think Duke was a little overrated. I mean Harry Giles, he's you know doesn't even have ACLs. Um, you know, they, one foot's already out the door. Tatum's a nice player, but he's not kind of a, a game changer like some of these other freshmen. Well, I'm talking Baylor. I'm talking Baylor, South Carolina. And I do like the senior leadership of the Baylor guys. Uh, South Carolina's playing strong because, of the, dude, those guys are confident, man. They're coming off that second half. And I'll tell you what, dude, when you get guys like that and they're playing downhill – they they get confident and they start going and this is a tough game. I would I want no part of playing this game at the beginning. I mean, see how it goes. Is South Carolina going to feed off the energy from last game, which we all know can totally happen? And I just feel I feel uh, I'm happy for Frank Martin, dude. He's an intense coach, but everywhere he's went, they are so disciplined defensively, and they get out and they guard man to man and. Like what Sean said, they hit Duke in the mouth, dude, and they never let up. That was a cool moment for him. He was really emotional. That was, I think that's what the tournament's all about. So I like that for one of the earlier moments in terms of awesomeness. So who knows who wins this, who wins this game? I don't know if I can pick it. If I had to, uh, I'd probably stick with uh, – I'd probably, I'd probably go with South Carolina, flip my pick. But, uh, Shil, who do you got in this game? Um, oof. I, I, this might be the toughest one to call. I, I think you have – they keep proving me wrong, but South Carolina is scoring enough to win, and they struggled all year to score. Um, you guys know I hate I hate Scott Drew. It's very hard for me to take Baylor. Um, but I think I, – I just can't trust South Carolina's score, and I think maybe they just won their Super Bowl uh, beating Duke there. So I'm, I'm actually going to take Baylor here if I had to make a pick. Um, again, I'm going to – I'm actually going to lean to the under again in this one. If you guys want a betting perspective, Baylor's put up 91, 82. South Carolina's put up 93 and 88. I think this game's going to sail under. Um, I just don't think these two teams can keep it up. I think it's going to be a slower paced game, especially with the layoff for them trying to prep and uh, be ready defensively. So the one watch out my with head, the Baylor, under. but I, I think the bet is the under. The one watch out with an under though, show and, and you can probably attest to this. These refs are so bad that you could end up in the bonus or the double bonus six, seven minutes ago in the first half and pos- or six, seven minutes ago in the second half. Like It's got that type of pot- potential, particularly with how South Carolina plays defense, that if you get a ref that doesn't like a lot of handsiness and things like that, and that's where I think the, the home crowd atmosphere really helped South Carolina is they could kind of get a little bit more physical with Duke. Um and Rhode Island had yeah. the same thing with Oregon. Like, they did the same thing. Now, obviously, that didn't have a home crowd. But it depends on these refs sometimes and what they let them get away with. Because you get in the bonus, you can start racking up and chasing that number pretty damn quick. I agree with that. So, before I move out of the East, do you guys um, – I think – are we all leaning Florida here to advance? Probably the favorite out of this uh, East bracket? Yep, which means go ahead and put your money on all three of the other teams. No, not the way I'm playing right now. Florida. You're the Monday night man. Oh, I am. Trust me. You got to soak these up. Hopefully you're Friday night because that's when these these games are. So uh, we will head to the west. So we'll go to San Jose. Uh, Chris Weber will be on the call for uh, Sean Z there. So top part of the bracket, uh, Chuck held through. We have West Virginia and Gonzaga. Uh, Gonzaga won pretty easily. They got a... Scare there from Northwestern late. Um, if we want to touch on that questionable hand through the uh, rim there that resulted in a T. Um, the West Virginia Notre Dame game, I just think in the first half, West Virginia's pressure got to them. And then very uncharacteristically, uncharac- West Virginia buried a lot of big threes there towards the end to uh, not allow Notre Dame to come back. I think they were five of five from three there. Uh, Notre Dame really could never get it close between their pressure and uh, West Virginia hitting some big shots. So we have Gonzaga, West Virginia. Gonzaga is a uh, three-point favorite to start on out. So, uh, Mark, 
Uh, who do you like here, West Virginia, Gonzaga? How good is this freshman that Gonzaga has that they started playing at that power forward dude? What's his name? Daniels? Do you guys see this guy? Collins. Is it Collins? I don't know. You're, 33? You're, yeah, 32. He's really good. 32-33. He's really good. Dude, I would I would not want to play this game before the game started just because you don't know who's going to kind of institute their their will in the game. Is it West Virginia's pressure, full court, creating some turnovers? I mean, I could see Gonzaga's guards. Uh, I could see them, you know, turning the ball over a couple times. But I like that low post game that Gonzaga's starting to get, and they're getting some buckets down low. So I wouldn't really – this game could go either way, and no one would be surprised. You wouldn't be surprised if West Virginia kind of pushed them a little bit. You wouldn't be surprised if Gonzaga came through. Uh, these do seem like games that Gonzaga loses towards the, you know, this part of the tournament. Gonzaga's really never getting to the Final Four, and these are the type of games they never get over the hump in. Yeah, I, I, this is where I'd be particularly leery uh, if I was a Gonzaga fan, just because um, they're going to break the press, and you have to like attack and try and score. And I have a feeling they're going to pull back at times, and then try and run the offense and get it into uh, Karnowski and kind of work the ball around and kind of do that. I, you've got to to beat West Virginia. Uh, or kind of control them, particularly when you haven't seen them all year or a team like this. It, this is a real tough matchup for Gonzaga. They didn't play you know, anything in these, these first two games close talent-wise, uh, speed-wise to West Virginia. And if West Virginia knocks down any shots, uh, it, it's, it's going to be a real pressure cooker for, for Gonzaga. I, I like West Virginia in this game simply because it's just matchups and the fact that you can't simulate um, – what what they're in for come uh, Thursday or Friday? When when are they playing? Show. Uh, th- this is the Thursday bracket. So yeah, so Thursday. I, I like I like West Virginia in this one. Um, that's a good number. I'd probably take that. I I just go ahead and take the money line. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing the same thing here. I I just think it's just hard to the the, the way Gonzaga playing in that league in the last two months. Uh, Nigel Williams Goss is a great player, but I really think that's Gonzaga's only ball handler, and that's a nightmare. Karnowski's a great player inside, but I, I think this I think this game's too quick for him. So, Sean, you made a great point. Bucknell really hurt West Virginia and kind of got back to the game there, where they started really attacking their pressure. I I, I think Gonzaga's going to be pretty timid there. So, yeah, I like West Virginia as well. If they get any kind of outside shots, any kind of scoring. Um, I, I think West Virginia wins pretty easily there. So uh, we'll move to the bottom part of the bracket here out in the West. And Mark, I'll probably start with you because since you're the fan, you're the fan of the Xavier. Um, sorry, I'm an idiot. We won't we won't know that out. We'll just keep going. Uh, president of the Xavier fan club, Mark. We got Xavier in Arizona. Uh, I got Zona as a seven point favorite. It's now moved up to seven and a half as I refresh it. So. I know where you're leaning, but you want to give a point why you like Xavier here? Why not like this money line? What's there not to like about this money line? I mean, seriously, if this if this money line is around, say, 280-300, why not? I mean, Xavier just beat Florida State on 7.5 plus 280. Why would you not take them on this? I mean, their their guard plays excellent right now. They're hitting the three at will. They're bringing guys off the bench that you can't even tell if they're starters or not. Isn't that the weird thing about Xavier? They all look the same. Guards like one through three, four, they all look the same, and they all play hard. They're really, really well coached. Art Miller is going to be calling his brother up to give him some some tips from, from Dayton. This is going to be an awesome game, and it's almost one of those games where it's like, are you mad you took the points? <laughs> you know, I mean, if Arizona wins by 10, you'd probably be more su- surprised if Arizona won by 10 to 15. I would than, than Xavier pulling out a game in the end. Xavier's got the big guard. He can score. And that post to down low, number 54, is making plays. So I focused on Xavier, obviously. Uh, what you guys give some Arizona takes. I think Arizona will win, but... It's going to be so close, and I wouldn't be surprised if Xavier pulled it out. Yeah, I wouldn't take the money line just because I think Arizona's going to win, but I think Xavier covers. Um, and I Arizona, like, there's a lot of similarities between those two teams. I think Arizona shoots it just a little bit better and has a little bit more 
um, kind of balance with with some of their guard play. I, I was you know really impressed with how Arizona um, kind of fought back and and kind of took the game over. Uh, what was that Saturday or uh, yeah Saturday? So uh, I'm taking Arizona here, and uh, you know just kind of to foreshadow into the Final Four. I think Arizona is the perfect team. Where Gonzaga was the wrong team against West Virginia, Arizona is the perfect team uh, against the West Virginia team. I, I think this is set up nicely for Arizona to get into the Final Four. I think Zona would struggle a little bit more against against Gonzaga, but they're going to get free looks, um, get up and down a little bit like how they they play against UCLA. Um, but you know, West Virginia doesn't have that firepower, so I like Arizona make the Final Four here. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And the one player I want to mention is. Uh, Lori Markadin is unreal. I think he's going to be a, a matchup nightmare for Xavier. So, actually, if I had to lay a bet here at the beginning, I'm probably just going to bet it uh, live. I would actually take Arizona minus seven. I just it's a home game. It's out in San Jose. There'll be 85% Zona fans there and very little Xavier fans. So, I'm not going to do it. Uh, Mark, to answer your question, Xavier's plus two two ninety five right now. So. I'm feeling and, and there's a lot of momentum towards just huh. finally being Sean Miller um, to, to get a team to the Final Four. Like there, there is something to be said for when you, you, know, you kind of break through, and then you have a tendency to shatter the thing. And you know, we'll we'll kind of allude to that as as maybe it gets to the end of of the pot here. But I, I think Arizona did what they needed to do uh, against the St. Mary's team, and uh, now they can kind of really get it rolling and cut it loose uh, heading into this weekend. And I, and I think what you guys are saying is right, but we I said this about Ohio State. Every freaking time Ohio State played Xavier in the tournament. And Xavier, I always thought when we played Xavier at, with those really good Ohio State teams, and we had so much better talent, the talent like Arizona had, that Xavier came out and like they were just like, they were disrespected. And they came out, they guarded guys, they defend guys. They're never scared. They always play solid. They're going to be extremely well coached. So I mean, those guys when that when that ball's tipped up in the air. Not saying that no team thinks this. Those guys are all. There's ne- it's never going to waver. They think they deserve to be in the final four in the national championship game. That's how confident I think those guys are playing right now. I was really impressed by them. So we'll see if the overall talent from Arizona can prevail. But I kind of like the dog mentality in Xavier right now. They're playing awesome. If I was a Xavier grad or a fan, you know, like actual fan, not just uh, jumping on the bandwagon in tournament time. That that squad would be awesome to watch. All right, all right. I think uh, Sean and I are here. We got Zona West Virginia. Uh, Mark, Mark, who who you have coming out of the West there? If you had to pick, oh, you already know. I bet him at the beginning. Zona all day. Zona? Okay, remember that plus two twenty. All right, we'll head out to the Midwest, uh, Kansas City. Um, and as Sean alluded to, this is a complete matchup of. A team strength versus a team's weakness. You got the guards of uh, Kansas out there, and you got the uh, big men inside with uh, Purdue. So, kind of a matchup nightmare for both teams. Uh, if you did not watch the Purdue Iowa State game, I'm sure Mark will touch on that a second. Uh, you missed a great one, and then a uh, Kansas one. Somehow they won by 20 against Michigan State, but I think at one point it was 44-43. If I would have told you it was a 20 point game, nobody would have uh, nobody would have believed me. So. Very interesting line moving here, guys. Kansas opened as a three and a half point favorite. They are already up to a five and a half point favorite. So, uh, Sean, we'll start with you for this one. Um, Kansas, you know, anywhere between three and a half and five and a half over Purdue. Who do you like? I would go ahead and take the money line with Purdue. I wouldn't put a you know a ton of money on it, but I, I think it's a little bit of um, it's not a coin flip, but the, you know the value there, particularly as it's trending that way. I'd wait until closer to game time because it probably gets bigger. <laughs> I think Kansas wins, but there's a lot of scenarios where, where Purdue can pull this out, um, including you know a, a Bill Self brain fart type game uh, or Lucas getting in foul trouble. Uh, they got some good bench play from I think Colt Coltley or whatever the backup uh, transfer from Mississippi State. But I, yeah, that was lightning in a bottle. I I like Kansas here, but uh, closer than the expert experts think. Mark, Kansas-Purdue, what do you like? Purdue it has the best force right now in Caleb Swanigan. But 
the thing with me when it comes to Purdue is pretty simple. Can they get over the mental hump? And I think that's that's true with a lot of these teams, like getting over the mental hump. I mean, are we going to be saying to ourselves, Purdue beat Kansas? To me, I don't think Purdue has it mentally to get over that hump. They got lucky for getting over the Iowa State hump, and they barely got over that hump. And I think that's the biggest thing to me. I mean, Bill Self can coach. I, I'm not questioning Bill Self. Bill Self. I'm questioning Matt Painter because, I mean, that guy's never coached him at all, really. And that team's had some talent, and they've really never done anything. So they've never been to a Final Four in program history. And they all know it. Every single Purdue grad knows it. And they're going to have to take a different mental step if they want to beat a team to the magnitude of Kansas. And I don't think they will. And it's one reason for me, and that is guard play. Yeah, I mean, Purdue struggles against explosive guards. The unfortunate thing for them, Kansas has about five of them. Uh, Mason Graham, Vic, Josh Jackson, you can almost consider him a guard sometimes. Um, The games I've seen Kansas lose lose this year, which is only a couple, is Landon Lucas is their only post defender inside. And, I mean, he's as prone as it gets. So. He is foul prone. I'm actually going to stick my guns here. Um, I picked Purdue in the final four, beating Kansas, so I might as well stick with them here now. Uh, I think the question comes down to, will Purdue's supporting cast hit enough outside shots? Because they're going to get enough because they're going to have to dive down. And if Lana Lucas gets in foul trouble, we saw Carlton Bragg against Michigan State. The dude's garbage. Um, no one's going to stop them inside. And, Mark, I know you don't like Haas, but if Lucas is gone, Haas is going to score at will too, along with uh, Swanee. Well, Nick. Nick, I actually I think that's a phenomenal point you bring up. I mean, that's why it's going to happen one way or the other. And he does get in tons of foul trouble for Kansas. And it's not that I don't like Haas. It's just he's regressed. Any Purdue fan knows it. I've been watching this guy for however many years. I got good friends that went to Purdue. They watch every game. And he used to be a good good player. And he is just regressed. He he's not played much better than he has as a sophomore or freshman. And that's the problem I have with him. He's not finishing with any type of confidence at the rim. But the, if they can get him in foul trouble, which they, you think they've got to do early, that you have a they can control the tempo there. That's what's the money line? Uh, plus 185. And minus 210? Yeah. Wow. Wow. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Bottom part of the bracket here, guys, we'll uh, move on. Um, we have Michigan, uh, who won a very, uh, very tight game there against Louisville. What I found most impressive with that game is they stayed in the game, and Derek Walton Jr. was started like 1 of 10, 1 of 11. And then once he got it going, they pulled away. So... Michigan's been very impressive. They're not a one-man team. They're probably the hottest team in the country right now, as we'll touch on. Facing a very very sneaky Oregon team that has a lot of pieces. I think Dan Altman's a pretty decent coach, but Mark, I'll start with you. And this is a very funny line. Michigan's up to minus two. So Michigan, the seventh seed, is actually favored here. Uh, who you like in this one? Beeline just literally coaching the living crap out of that team. Mo, what is it? Mo Wagner, Mo Wagner. He's it's playing Wagner. great. Wagner, yeah, Germany, Berlin, Germany. Nineteen years old or something. Dude's playing out of his mind. That 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 six uh, ten dude they have with the hair. He's excellent. He can bring the ball to court. You know what I like about him so much? I was watching this game with Sean. What I like about him so much is that he is uh, he kills pressure so when they get when they get full court pressured he can come up catch the ball and he can bring the ball up the court at 610 and it's like a whole different level he can take it to guys get and then dude this wagner dude is is playing lights out they're just irving on the wing um you know like you said walton didn't have a great walton jr didn't have a great game and they still played great i never thought in the first half that they were going to lose because I thought they were playing their style of game and it was just a matter of time because they were pushing and pushing and pushing and I thought Louisville was giving everything they had and getting some shots to go and I never once wavered on that game I thought from watching Michigan play really their last four games I I thought that that was Michigan's game to have Uh, and I'm I've been really impressed with them man I'm just Oregon is the one thing about Oregon and Sean said this dude those dudes are fighters they fight like hell. So that's the one thing about Oregon. Like, 
it's going to be a great game. It really is. I'll take Michigan uh, to win by four because I think they're playing great in the end. But it's going to be high scoring. It's going to be fun to watch. This game probably, in my opinion, is probably going to be the best to watch from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, I agree with that. That's that's where I would go as well. Uh, it's got you know potential to be a little chippy too, um, just because Oregon typically plays with with that chip on their shoulder. Uh, so I think it's going to be highly entertaining. I like Michigan here. I, I think without the the shot blocker and Boucher uh, for Oregon, that that's the kind of thing that swings it uh, towards Michigan's way, particularly with how well they're playing. So I like the Wolverines uh, in a matchup against Kansas. I like Kansas. I'm going to put them in the final four. I think Michigan's luck runs out and Kansas is just the right matchup for, for a team like Michigan. So uh, that's how I kind of carve out the Midwest region. Yeah. I, I'm a- I don't want to pick this game at all. So I, I'm not getting in front of Michigan. What's really funny about this this region here is Kansas is the blue blood. Purdue's probably got the best player in the country. Michigan's the hottest team in the country, and then Oregon might be the most solid from you know from one through five their starting lineup. So um, I'm going to go Purdue over Michigan. Mark, who you got coming out of this uh, region here? Wow, I'm a, I'm going to change my pick a little bit here, and I'm going to go Kans. I'm going to go Michigan over Kansas. I think uh, I think this is Michigan's. They're just playing too well for me to pick against them right now, and uh, I think they can. I think more than anything, if you they can stretch Lucas, the post player for Kansas, out, and they're those big guys are playing. They're playing awesome. They're going to stretch Lucas out. I think Michigan can beat Kansas. I really do. And Beeline's no stranger to getting this team to go deep in the tournament. So I'll take Michigan coming out of that region. All right, we'll head to the south. Uh, we're in Memphis. Have fun finding a ticket for this one. Um, I'll chalk through. Uh, North Carolina and Roy Williams tried to lose one here, but uh, they advanced against Arkansas. So we have North Carolina Butler, who uh, battled through a middle Tennessee state. So we have a North Carolina Butler, kind of a higher line than I expected. It's at seven, and uh, there's going to be some points scored in the south region. This over-under is at 155. Uh, Sean, we'll start with you. Who you like, North Carolina Butler? I like North Carolina. They're just too many thoroughbreds. Um, you, you can make a case for Butler, but gosh, it's a it's a tough one uh, with with the road ahead for them. Um, I'll just take the Tar Heels here. Mark, I'll take the worst coach team, second worst coach team in the whole tournament, the North Carolina Tar Heels. My God, call a timeout. When you come out of a timeout, run a set <laughs> that is actually oh, that's a Roy look. just being Roy. I mean, it's terrible. I don't. I mean, I'm sorry. It was terrible. He doesn't me and Shil, Me and Shil were watching that game, and I'm telling you, it was one of the worst coach games I've ever seen. He literally let them. This is not AAU season, Roy. Like you're allowed. Roy to call had a, a case of vertigo. He, either that, or he just Davis. wanted to roll the ball out there, let his kids play, let let the boys run. Where's Where's these assistant coaches? Call a Hubert Davis is his assistant coach. Like it's I understand. He's surrounded Call by yes timeout. He's surrounded I by yes men. Call a timeout. It's terrible for them. I, I I'm telling you, and I, there's zero doubt about it. Who has the most talent in this tournament? It's Kansas, and and then it's North Carolina one and Kansas two in terms of sheer talent. I mean, North Carolina has the most talent. My God, and they just can't get coached in any way, shape, or form. And you know what? I'll just flip it too. They're not coachable. So I'll take North Carolina after all that. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I think we're leaning the same way. I, I, I just think Butler's going to get beat up on the boards. And think of the NCAA here, con- conspiracy theorists. How bad do they want North Carolina to face UCLA or Kentucky? So there is no doubt in my mind North Carolina's going to get through, whether uh, it's the play or the uh, Zebras doing it to them. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we all, we, we all have North Carolina advancing. Probably the – most look for game, and this might be an NBA game. We have UCLA, Kentucky, probably four or five lottery picks here. Kentucky, That's or, how bad uh, UCLA is. has advanced pretty easily. How, That's how, mean bad how bad it is. Serious, like these guys aren't very good. I'm just going to call a spade a spade. Like this is, we watched Kentucky back in the day, like four years ago, and they were freaking loaded. This Kentucky's not very good, and they're talking about lottery players on this team. And it's like, eh, 
Like, I'm not getting excited about this game. I mean, this, you know, I, I don't know. Like, same with UCLA. They're talking about guys that are going to go to the NBA in this game. It's like Lonzo Ball just gets layups. It's not like he can actually have a mid-range game or three. I'm sorry to interrupt. It just bothers me because the talent is so piss poor anymore, and they get excited about B-listers. No, keep going. Uh, we got um, it. Actually, opened Kentucky minus one and a half. All the money's on UCLA, which I found a little surprising. UCLA is one point favorite. Mark, um, just keep going. Who you like here? Well, I'll tell you this straight up, and Sean will. I think Sean will agree with me on this, and I don't even know Sean's take on this. I think Calipari loves this. Nothing better could happen than them lose earlier in the year to UCLA. Mm-hmm. Nothing better can happen in terms of Monk being disrespected by Lonzo Ball. Everyone's talking about Lonzo Ball. He gets all the pub. He gets everything. Monk wants it. Okay, That's all these kids want. He wants it, and this is his opportunity to beat him and shut up all the critics and end him and send him to the draft. I beat you. Deal with it. And Calipari loves it. Their backs are against the wall. UCLA, everyone thinks they're going to win. Everyone's talking UCLA. For me, this has every sign of a Kentucky chip on your shoulder coming out, Calipari silent, and then just getting after it and mad. And I say all that, and who knows, UCLA might have the confidence to take them. I'll take Kentucky, though. So Oregon and Michigan is start to finish going to be a fantastic game to watch. The last six minutes of this game... I think it's going to be real ugly at points in time. It, it's going to go through odd stretches. There's probably going to be some silly foul calls, you know, stuff like that that'll just kind of muck it up. But this has the potential the last six minutes to got, have a little bit of I'm going at you, you're coming at me, high pick and rolls, two man games, like real kind of throwback style because neither of these guys are going to kind of coach up, you know, real, real special stuff. It's going to be kind of a roll it out there high screens, pick and rolls, pick and pop. I'd like Kentucky for those reasons Mark just alluded to. The advantage coaching-wise is to UCLA ever oh. so slightly just because what? I don't like Cal. As Cal has to have overwhelming talent to win. Overwhelming talent. The team that he took to the finals and lost to UConn with Napier, none of those team guys are in the NBA on UConn. You know how many Kentucky guys are in the NBA on that team? Six. So like, he didn't even win. He didn't even win NBA. Well, I, or I, I understand that, but so, he's so also put, like put it in that yeah, perspective. Yeah, but I just well, like put, it, put it in the perspective that he's coaching eighteen-year-olds. Were those guys at UConn who's twenty and twenty-one? Recruits these kids. Well, I understand like, that, but they're you, you still harder to coach. I hate that cop out. Like, oh, he's got eighteen-year-olds. No, it's year not. Old it's he not, always it's has not a cop out. It's not a cop out because he's such a good recruiter. Specific type of players. Like well, I understand, but you can't automatically say he's the worst coach. Those are harder kids to coach. He's recruiting them because their upside's way better. But you can't say that he's not a good – what has what Alfred done with UCLA that makes you think that he's a better coach than John Calipari? They, they wanted Alfred fired last year before uh, – I understand that. Absolutely. Give me something on Alfred where all of a sudden he's a great coach. They didn't even win the Pac-10 this Pac-12 this year. They went into Kentucky and beat them. Well, I, I, hey, I'm fine. That's regular season. I'm told. I am totally That's fine what you're with asking that. Asking on? No, I'm not. I'm. I'm saying that happens, especially that I'm not surprised that they got beat because he's coaching 18 year olds. They're inconsistent. That's the hardest thing to coach. Where if you get some upperclassmen, they're more consistent. So I'm not so this surprised is, this that they the lost typical, that game. This is the typical coach Cal apologist stuff. Of he's it's got 18 coach, year olds no, and not. it gets to the end of the year, and then yeah, no, no one says though. that when he doesn't make. Team they lose in the first round of Robert Morris or some silly school in the NIT. Like you don't okay, say so it I'll then. No, that team had Archie Goodwin who's in the NBA. Like so, those he had team guys in that on that team that made the NBA. But he's they coaching didn't work a totally there. different type of player, Sean. He's coaching egomaniacs that are eighteen years old. He's recruiting it because the upside's unbelievable. But he's coaching a totally different player. His brain has to explode literally more than any coach in the nation because of what he has to deal with from an extrinsic uh, extrinsic motivation purposes. He, these kids come in from AAU. He's getting three to four top twenty players every year. So I understand what you're saying, but I'm, I'm also taking it to that next level. I love his defensive scheme. His defensive scheme to me is one of the best in the country in terms of how they get out and guard. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go the same way. I, I think Coach Cal plays that chip on his shoulder for the first time that he's been able to do in a couple of years. And act, probably he'll, 
he'll portray it to his players as the underdog role, and I think they're, they're going to thrive under that. And you don't hear this very often. Kentucky's key to stopping to winning, and this is Kentucky has to stop someone else's transition offense, which it's usually the other way around. So I have Kentucky as well. Uh, because of their easier path, I have North Carolina coming out of this uh, region. Who you guys got coming out of the region? Uh, yeah, I got North Carolina here as well. I, I just like them in a matchup against Kentucky. I think it's it's going to be really tough for Kentucky to come back, beat UCLA, and then come back two days later and beat North Carolina. Totally different style, um, size, just kind of their physicality with North Carolina. As, as much as it pains me, I got Roy Williams in the Final Four. Yeah, I agree with actually everything he just said after disagreeing. Uh, but I think if a team that is going to knock off North Carolina, I actually think UCLA could knock off North Carolina. I don't think Kentucky can. So I think Kentucky will beat UCLA, but if UCLA does sneak by, they have a better chance of beating North Carolina than Kentucky does for that same fact that what just Sean just said, especially with being an emotional game for all those Kentucky guys and the Lonzo ball effect. So I'll take North Carolina out of that. Yeah, I'd like uh, UCLA yeah, let's, over let's North Carolina this. too if they did play. Sorry about that, John. Um, we will uh, let's wrap this up real quick. I think we can all agree there's about ten teams that can win the national championship. So, gun to your head, one pick. Who are you taking? Win it all right now. Arizona. Arizona. Arizona or, gets versus Kansas. Well, I'll take. Uh, I think North Carolina's got the easiest path. I'll take them. And I hate their coaching, but I love Michigan. Yeah, we know. Yeah, I yeah I agree with that. If gun to my head, I think I take uh, North Carolina as well. So, uh, and I'll take Florida maybe too to beat them. Well, I, I just don't I just don't think they have enough offensive firepower to get through. Even though they probably have the easiest path getting out of their region, Mark. Yeah, I, I think. All right, let's wrap North this up, Carolina guys. All right. You can follow. Uh, I'll be tweeting out a lot. It, that's NEG Pod CFB. Um, I try to retweet all my picks. I might do a lot of live betting, so I might not retweet every single one to clog up the timelines. Make sure to follow the guys at Glory Podcast, uh, Luke, Jerry, and the two gentlemen with me, Sean and Mark. They're doing a great job with the uh, free agency and the draft coverage. Um, if you want to complain about your bracket, you can tweet at L Grilly. 88. He loves it. He's a child. So uh, if you want to tweet at Nick and Akron, I will give you his personal cell phone. If you have any complaints about your bracket, your bracket being busted, El Grilly 88. You know, the funny thing is, is, so make is sure to- you know, you, do- you, you say all this, but you did dog his bracket and he came back at you like, I thought you didn't care about brackets, hypocrite. And he kind of housed you on that one. <laughs> as much as it pains me, and I think it's well documented how I like to just drive Luke Gurley crazy. I got to give a, a, a side to Luke Gurley on that one, at least how he handled you this weekend. Nick, you're a bottle no, on that. No, he, he, he did very well. But in my defense, look at his bracket. It is all chalk. Like, I haven't looked on a at limb. it. No, no, here's the thing. I didn't look at it because I don't care what his bracket is. Because unless yeah. my team wins, there's no point in me paying attention until we get through Thursday, maybe Friday's games. Like it kind of is like people get oh, too caught if, up into oh I'm in first place like right 13, now yes yeah. you're in first place right now you might have Duke in the final game like you're not going anywhere but middle of the pack well, that's the nice part about Yahoo having that like potential points thing too that's nice that they have that so scenario generator I got one, one thing to say one other about thing Luke I had Mark over had the family over yesterday it actually reminded me I got a refill on Buckeye vodka I got to stock up. As I said last week or the week before, had Haley over from Buckeye Vodka, so I got to talk to her for myself some uh, additional restock the fridge because uh, we tapped it dry with Moscow mules and whatnot. Sean's so, uh, a triple M, and it's not Monday night mo- Monday night money M N M. Sean's a Moscow mule monster, just making them and dishing them out left and make, right. I can make Moscow mules in bulk in like ten seconds. It's just boom, boom, boom. I don't have to like you know, measure it or anything else. I know precisely what to do with the Krabbies. You got to get the Krabbies because it's got to be alcoholic beer. You got to have lemon. You got to have, or you got to have lime and you have to have mint. That's what you will not get at a bar. You got to have the copper cups, big cube, ready to go. So we literally had one in our hands 
30 seconds walking into his house. Sarah, Mark, you guys, Moscow Mule, boom, done. Buckeye vodka, boom. You guys teed that up perfectly. I actually, I don't know if you've heard this during this broadcast, but I actually have a Moscow Mule going right now with Buckeye vodka. Oh, set you off right. The UTA Mavericks and the Akron Zips are are tipping off right now, and we're about to uh, watch the Akron Zips here get to the, I guess it would be considered the regional final uh, one step closer to Madison Square Garden, so good luck to the Zips. Let's go, Zips. Shots. There's going to be a money line placed. I hey, have a strong Oh, it's suspicion. already done. It's already done. And uh, I'm going to end this episode, if you don't mind. Uh, El Grilly 88. That's because 88 was his freshman football tight end number, and that slap dick didn't even play a sophomore, junior, and senior year. It's El Grilly 88 because his freshman football number, or middle school, he was a tight end, man. Oh, how sad is that? No wonder he liked Final Fantasy. Man. He stuck with that. He stuck with that. He hasn't changed it. It's like me still being player me 7 at gmail. The worst part is Mark, I've leaving. Mark, Mark leaves for France. So now when Luke does listen to this like five days from now, he's going to be complaining and whining to us for like multiple days on end. And we have to hear it, not him and Mark going at it, which then we can just get the popcorn ready. Yeah, bonjour, ladies. I'm out. I'll be in France. I'll be. Right. I'll come back, and uh, you guys can all praise me and, and write your checks. Payable, done deal. Mm-hmm. That's my fantasy football team name this year, by the way. Checks payable. Wonderful. All right. There's no other way to end it. So, on behalf of Nick Schultz and the Sustin brothers, uh, enjoy the games. They shall be good ones, and uh, good luck on your bracket. No one cares about. <laughs>